But we'll start, I want to start by reading a quote from this book, Councils on Agriculture. And this is a very fascinating quote to me. This is from 4ASG, page 155. I don't even remember what 4ASG is. Oh, okay, so that's Spiritual Gifts, Volume 4A. But this is really interesting. See what you think of this. The greater the length of time the earth has lain under the curse, the more difficult has it been for man to cultivate it and make it productive. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we all know about that. As the soil has become more barren and double labor has had to be expended upon it, God has raised up men with inventive faculties to construct implements to lighten labor on the land, groaning under the curse. So that's really interesting. God has raised up men with inventive faculties to construct implements to lighten labor on, on the land groaning under the curse. Now, that's, that's fascinating, but it goes on and says, but God has not been in all man's inventions. Satan has controlled the minds of men to a great extent and has hurried men to new inventions which have led them to forget God. So, I, I'm not going to claim to know exactly which inventions fall into which categories. I have my own theories about it. But a fascinating um, quote saying that God has has helped men to come up with inventions to help us continue to make the land productive. But, on the other hand, Satan has hurried men to new inventions which have led them to forget God. You know, in my mind, it's about contact with nature and with God. So I think Satan is behind the air-conditioned tractor cabs, you know, <laughs> because it's, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that a little bit facetiously. I would never want to, um, to accuse anybody who has an air-conditioned cab, but, you know, I think any time where we isolate ourselves from contact with nature, um, we're missing out on a blessing. But I like to think that some of the tools we're going to be sharing this morning, because they're basically almost all hand tools, they can increase efficiency while at the same time not um, taking you away from God in nature. So, we're going to get into that now. Just one last call. Anybody not get these recommended resources for the market gardener yesterday? Okay. 
I have a few more copies. I can make more, but um, I want to make sure you get the. If you're interested in market gardening, to me, this is the most important thing I can give you in this seminar. Okay, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we're going to dive right in, because I'm sure we've got more we could talk about than we have time to talk about it. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the night's rest. We thank you for the new day. We thank you for what we've learned this morning about dominion and how you want us to exercise our dominion in the garden. And so we pray that you will teach us, bless as we spend this time together. May you be in all that we do and say, and may your name be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to just pass these out. It's just a one sheet today, front and back. And we're going to look at tools that we have found extremely effective and productive, even though many of them are very simple tools in making our time more efficient. So I begin here by saying high-quality, well-designed tools can make your work so much more efficient and enjoyable. How many of you are involved in some other kind of manual trade besides farming? Any? Nursery, is that what you said? Okay, yes. And I'm sure you have certain tools that make that job more efficient, right? I mean, I, I think of the construction trade. You know, can you imagine framing a house without um, a circular saw or a nail gun? You know, yeah, you can, you can pound the nails in by hand, but it's much, much slower, right? So it's the same way with farming, market gardening those efficient tools and and they're not cheap you know this is a niche market this is you know they're not making um, tens of thousands of them you know these are many of them kind of hand produced so that makes them more expensive but I think you'll find they're they're well worth the money in the long run so we'll start, I've tried to divide it up into, into kind of different sections. Field work, and, and by that I mean, you know, initial breaking the sod kind of, kind of field work. Um, if you're doing it on a small area, there's nothing to keep you from, from doing it by hand. With a spade, you know, you can cut the sod and peel it back. Um, here, make sure anybody coming in late, you want a copy of this market gardening toolkit. 
So, but I'm suggesting that if you're if you're doing over a half acre, you're probably going to want to invest in something that's going to mechanize it a little bit. Are you familiar? I don't know how popular BCSs are in Australia. Are are you familiar with a BCS? What what is BCS? Um, that's a good question. It's a name brand. It's, uh, it's what they call a two-wheel tractor or a walking tractor. Well, it's, you said a rotary hoe. It is, what do you call a rototiller? You call it a rototiller? Okay. A lot of people think a BCS is just a fancy rototiller, but it's much more than that. A BCS, and again, I, I wish I had pictures, but I've had problems with, I can't get internet here, and my computer's not working right, so. They use them in a lot of Asian countries, don't they? You see them? Yeah, they have a lot of walking. They actually, well, I don't know if they were originally uh, developed in Europe, but BCS is Italian, and, and there's a lot of Italian varieties. Ferrari, actually, Ferrari makes one. Um, I don't know if it's the same company as the Ferrari car. Which, what is it? It's SEP. SEP? Yeah. Okay. That's an Italian but I do know there are Asian Asian brands out there as well. But basically, it's it's a self-propelled tractor. Most of them, the the handlebars can be turned around, so you can have an implement on the front or the back. It's got a PTO. Does everyone know what a PTO is? Power takeoff, and it it. It's uh, all gear driven, no belts. It's just a very high quality machine, but just much smaller and more maneuverable than a tractor and more affordable. So if- In Australia, it's actually, a Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's good to to know. Um, that's that's probably true. That there's more. The, the challenge with tractor equipment is, depending on where you are, there's there's a fair number of specialized pieces of equipment that are not readily available, especially used. At least that's what I find, even in the states. For market gardening, there are certain implements that are really hard to find. We have what's called a reciprocating spader for our tractor, which is a really nice implement, but they're so uncommon that um, you just can't find them used. It, it's for, for initial tillage. It's supposed to be the um, closest thing to hand spading a garden. You know, a rototiller just does this and it beats up the soil. A spader has individual spades that go in and, and flip the soil up 
and it hits the, you know, it flips it up and kind of hits the back and, you know, breaks it up and then it falls down. And it does an amazing job of, of working in a cover crop, um, but, but it's much more gentle on the soil than a rototiller. Any, it's a reciprocating spader. Ours is a Falk, F-A-L-C. They're, again, they're Italian. There's um, some other varieties. Sorry, what was the name of the brand again? F-A-L-C. Very expensive, I'll just warn you about that. In the States, they're, they're at least $1,000 per foot of width. So, obviously, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get too much onto the tractor implements because that's not really the focus of, of our market guard. You know, we're trying to say you can do it without all this fancy stuff. Um, so, with a BCS, and I'll just say, JM, John Martin Fortier, this book did more for BCS than anything. I mean, they, they should have paid him $100,000 in royalties because this book sold thousands of BCS tractors. His, his whole system is based, he says, you don't need a tractor. All you need is a BCS. And he really focuses on these three implements here. Does everybody have one of these market gardening tools? I think this is the last one. We can check more off if we need to. Does, any, does somebody else need one? Okay. You've got one both? I'll print more. Did you have any spares from yesterday, Josh? I did. I printed off a few more. Unfortunately, the printer ran out of paper, and so I, there's one. I have one more from yesterday. The, the resources, did anyone not get that? Okay. Thank you something today. Okay, we've got another toolkit one today. Was Okay. Some people are just taking pictures of them. That works, too. Anyway, um, if you want to learn more about using a BCS in the garden, this is a great book because, like I said, he, he bases his system on that. The three tools that he uses, we have them all and um, have used them all. The rotary plow is really fascinating. It looks like a screw. Uh, a vertical screw, big screw, and you just go down, and I, I was at first very hesitant about it because it seemed to me like it was just going to beat up this, you know, destroy the soil, kind of like a rototiller does, but actually when I saw it being used and when I used it myself, I was rather amazed at how little it beats up the soil. So it's turning like this and it's shooting the soil to the side and you can actually plow a cover crop. I've seen videos of people plowing a cover crop in, you know, this tall with this rotary plow. How wide is it? Um, it's not very wide, so obviously what that means is you're going to, it's going to take a lot of passes. 
But what JM uses it for mainly, and the main thing we've used it for, is making a raised bed. If you want, if you need a raised bed, and we haven't really talked about that much, the question is, do you need it? Um, and if you have very wet soil, um, that's the main reason I, I think of using it. Or if you're trying to get a really early crop, a raised bed will get you an earlier crop because you're getting the soil warmed on the sides as well as the top. Um, those are really the, the two main uses I can think of for a raised bed. JM uses it because where he is, um, the soil is very wet in the spring. You know, when you have the ground freeze, you probably, I don't know if any of you know about um, what happens if the ground is frozen really deep in the spring for, for, um, a month or two, it's just mud. It's called the mud season as that frost um, melts. We don't have those problems. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. We don't have it either. Well, we have it very minorly. But anyway, so the rotary plow, you just go down one side of the bed and it, it shoots the dirt up here and go down the other side and it shoots it up there and you have this nice raised bed. Pretty handy, very, you know, much faster than doing it by hand. The rotary harrow, so once you raise your bed, the rotary harrow, you, there's one that's just over 30 inches wide. It's got fingers like this rather than a rototiller it's just spinning like this and and working in you know if you put on some amendments or something and it's got a roller on the back that you can adjust so you can adjust the height or the depth of how how much those fingers are going in and it's just breaking up the clods and working in your your amendments and, and when that roller goes over it, you have this beautiful seed bed. Really nice. It's pretty nifty. Quick way to, to make a, a nice seed bed. And then the third one, the flail mower. Are you all familiar with flail mowers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we call a bush hog in the States, I don't know what, uh, a rotary mower. Do you call them bush hogs or slashers? That what what a slasher does is throw all your stuff to the side, and you end up with these windrows. Which, if you're mowing a pasture, that's fine. But if you're mowing a cover crop, you want that material spread evenly. So a flail mower spins this way, and it has usually little kind of blades on chains that will will cut up the material very fine and lay it right there which is really nice and the flail mower you know you can it's really amazing how it works you know you can have a, a bed of broccoli and you know broccoli gets pretty big it's a pretty substantial plant you just run the flail mower down over the bed of broccoli and it just chops it up into fine pieces. Is that, um, in Australia we have 
like on the back of my tractor, I've got what's called a mulcher, which is like a drum with those kind of things, and it does what you're describing. Have you heard it called a mulcher before? I It sounds like the same thing. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're familiar with that. So obviously, um, well, I've never seen a tractor-powered rotary plow, but that you can get rotary harrows and, of course, flail mowers for a tractor. So if you've got small acreage and you don't need a tractor, I would encourage you to think of a BCS. If you have larger acreage and you've got stuff you've got to slash and, and, and maintain, you need a tractor, I'm suggesting you look at a small tractor. And this is kind of a new... Uh, a new frontier in the market gardening world. Actually, Ben Hartman with the Lean Farm was the one that opened my eyes to this. You know, in my mind, I have too simple a mind, I think, but I never thought you could use a tractor on a 30-inch bed. It just seemed too, you know, too big. And how, how would you get a tractor to do that? But Ben Hartman found a tractor, a Kubota, L3400, I think he's using, that they've now got a 3300 or a 3900, and maybe the numbers, the models may be different here. But you can, you can adjust the tires to straddle a 30-inch bed, and the tires, depending on whether you have, what kind of tires you have, are either 12 or 15 inches wide. So those go down your pathways. And wow, you know, it, you can mechanize all the things you're doing by hand. Um, and then of course, having a bucket on the tractor. I tell people a bucket on a tractor is the most useful tool on your farm. You use it for everything. It's amazing. And then of course you can most of them you can interchange and put on pallet forks and and you know you get an order on a truck you can take the pallet off um, you know if it can straddle your beds you can fill it with compost or whatever you need to put on the beds and you just drive slowly one person in the front shoveling it out of the bucket onto the beds and it's it's wonderful so if you can afford a tractor, if you have space and need a tractor, there are neat things happening um, with using tractors. Ben Hartman has what he calls an undercutter bar that goes on his tractor. And when it comes to harvesting carrots, I mean, it's just a bar that's at a little bit of an angle. So it pulls down into the soil and, and just lifts the soil enough, lifts those carrots enough that rather than digging them out, you just go down and pull them out. Um, so, and then rather than using a broad fork, which we'll talk about in a minute here, you just have some shanks on the back of your tractor that rip down the bed without mixing up the soil structure, just aerating the bed. And um, so again, I think this is exciting. In fact, I don't think I said this the other day. My son Jonathan has just been with, with Curtis Stone 
and Curtis is wanting my son to start developing tractor tools. He's, he's bought a 11 acre farm and is starting to develop this farm and it's gonna be based on using a tractor, a little Kubota tractor. So like I say, this is kind of a new frontier. I don't wanna talk any more about that because I wanna make sure we have time to cover these other. Let me make sure I know what time is this supposed to end. Actually, I guess this is the one where we go, it's kind of just, uh, two hours here, 9.30 to 11.30. So, any questions quickly on either the BCS or a tractor for market gardening? Okay, what, you know, let me just say this. Initially, why Elliot Coleman and JM kind of steered people in the direction of the BCS rather than the tractor was Number one, a BCS can turn around much quicker. You know, you don't have to have a lot of room at the ends of your beds to turn around. It's not as heavy, so it's not gonna be compacting the soil as much. It's cheaper initially, maybe, although, you know, that could be in question. It's easier to maintain, you know, Trying to change the transmission on a tractor can be daunting for a lot of people, but a BCS, you know, you, with, with simple mechanic tools, you can take it apart and, and work on it. It's, it's just much more manageable. But now we're thinking more about tractors. So, so, so John, yeah. in Australia, I found the easiest way to search for that BCS. You're calling it a BCS in Australia. The easiest way to find them is to Google two-wheel tractor. Okay. Two-wheel tractor, and then you'll get a bunch of them. So look for two-wheel tractors. Two-wheel tractors. Okay, so let's talk about soil preparation. Now, I actually don't have a digging fork with me, but I think all of you probably know what we're talking about there. Standard, you know, usually a D-handle and... Um, very strong, and, and I, I haven't really seen what you have here in, in Australia. The best ones that I've ever seen are made in England. They're hand-forged, and um, they'll last a long time. I have one that is my um, favorite tool. I've had it for well over 20 years. Right now, the handle, the wooden handle actually broke because of misuse. Um, so I'm waiting to get a replacement handle, but um, they'll last forever if used properly. And if you have a hard soil, you're gonna need to use that to loosen it initially. How many of you know about double digging? Okay. Um, there, for a while, and there are some people that really encourage double digging, which means you're actually, you, you basically take out the top 12 inches of soil and then loosen the next 12 inches, so you're really going down two feet. Um, I've done a little experimenting on my own, and none of these 
people we talked about, the, the market gardening experts, none of them double dig or really recommend it. I think it's not necessary from my experience. If you loosen the soil 12 inches deep, that's plenty for all vegetables that I know of. Obviously a tree or something is gonna need deeper soil. But, um, so, so if your soil is hard, you can't use a broad fork on it initially. It's just, you're gonna bend the tines or it, it's not gonna work. Something smaller like a, a digging fork is the tool of choice for, for initially loosening the soil. And then, once it's been loosened, if you're being careful not to walk on it, then you can use a broad fork. Now this, a broad fork, there's many versions of this. Um, the, one, the ones we use actually have two handles on either side rather than the center handle, which I prefer the two handles because I can pull it back more. You know, this I can only pull back and if my belly gets bigger, I can't pull it back as far. But basically, you know, you're, you're pushing this down and you don't have to pull it way back. Really, Connor Crickmore suggests you only have to pull it back till you see the ground cracking. And then you move it back six inches push it down now depending on your soil you know some people you know j jump on it and really get it in um, but it's it's not it's not really hard I mean it is exercise and the faster you go the more exercise it is but it's a really nice way I don't know how wide this one is we have them one that's 30 inches wide which is really nice for a 30 inch bed. But I will say it, it only really works well if, you, if your soil is, is in really good shape. The more clay and hard it is, obviously, the harder that's gonna be to work. But the, the point of this, the point of this tool is that I think everybody understands that roots need air and they need to have loose soil, ideally, to, to work in. So this is loosening the soil and aerating the soil without turning the soil over. Does that make sense? So Rod Bailey said this is the only one he knows of that's available in us or being made in Australia right now. There's probably 15 different varieties being made in the U.S. Elliot Coleman, in his book, The New Organic Grower, gives some guidelines for what he thinks makes the perfect broad fork, and Johnny Selected Seeds is making that broad fork. That's the one we have. Well, we have a few of them, but that's the one we prefer. Um, but they all do basically the same thing. Some may be a little more ergonomic than others. So that's the broad fork. A three-tooth cultivator 
And some of these we don't have here, uh, but I've got a catalog here where they all are, and uh, you can't really see here, but you can look afterwards. This is a three-tooth cultivator right here. It's just got three teeth, and um, the main thing we use that for is working in amendments. If you're putting on compost, or other things and you want to just lightly work it in you just scuffle that over the bed and it works it in it's also good if you're if your soil is cloddy for breaking up the clods um, and then the third thing it, it can be helpful for is if you have a very crusty soil crusty soil is usually um, a result of not working it properly but the, the three-tooth cultivator can break up that crust. Yes? Good for weeding if you get them small. Yes. A lot of little weeds coming up and you can get around fairly close to the plant and then you do the plants, you know, the mulch, the plants, or you... Right, so, so a cultivator can also work for weeding and we will, yeah, we're going to be talking about that in the next session, I guess, is when we talk about weeding. But actually, the, the term we like to use in market gardening is cultivating. Rather, you, you should ideally never have to weed. Cultivating is dealing with the weeds when they're small. Um, okay. So, moving on, a tilther. Again, we don't have... Well, I'm not going to take time to try to find all these things. But a tilther is, is like a miniature rototiller, but the difference is it's only tilling just the very surface of the soil. And it's, it's designed to run with a cordless drill as the power source. And it's wide enough that you, it, it takes two passes for a 30 inch bed. But a lot of these market gardeners, I, I have one. Um, our soil is not, well, I don't know. I, in some places, I think we could use it now, but it will not work if you have rocks bigger than this in your beds. It will jam up. And so that's why I kind of got frustrated with it. It kept jamming up. But we're, you know, we're continuing to get rocks out and... Um, it, it does a very nice job of preparing a very fine seed bed. So, um, if you're going to transplant, your soil doesn't have to be nearly as fine. Don't, don't waste your time trying to get it perfect if you're just putting in transplant. If you're going to direct seed, the tilther is a nice tool. Again, at this point, it's only... Um, available from Johnny's you know and again you can order those things but you'll pay a fair bit for shipping uh, my son actually has on his list of tools to develop a 30 inch wide tilter that will straddle the bed and do the whole bed at one time but again it's it's different than rototilling in that you're just working that very top surface Okay, any questions about these soil preparation tools? 
If not, let's go on to transplanting and seeding. Uh, just quickly. Yes. You're asking, or you're... I'm asking. Is there, is there another handle that, you know, like self-propelled knowing and it had an old one that you can, like, drive down a row and it will help reform the dead or anything like that? That's a good question. It sounds like a tool that needs to be developed. There is an attachment option that you can put on a walk behind that will throw the soil to make the raised beds. Yeah, of course, with a tractor, you have... Or a raised bed maker that basically pulls the dirt in and forms it into a nice raised bed. And there are BCS walking tractor attachments that kind of do the same thing. With the ones I've seen are with discs, hilling discs, and then a chain that kind of levels it out. Um, so there are a few other options, but not a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, not that I'm aware of. I will say that this um, tool development for small farms is a big, big thing right now. And uh, those of you who were here yesterday, I, I shared a little bit. My son, and we believe God led in it, um, my son has been... Um, is on the cutting edge of that. Um, he developed this tool here and um, now has, has just developed a, a flame weeder and has a bunch of other tools in the pipeline. Um, and it's amazing, you know, I, I work for him some on the side and um, you know, I'm reading all these emails, we can't wait to see what you come out with next you know we can't thank you enough for all you're doing for market gardeners because this is you know this is making their job doable you know it's turning a market farm from drudgery into actual productive um, enterprise bliss. yeah <laughs> bliss might be a little strong <laughs> Okay, now 30 inch bed preparation rate. Now, I this is nifty. We'll, we'll show you. Well, I should just show you this while these are on. This is an Austrian hay rake, it's aluminum head, so it's very light. Um, this is Rod's, actually, it was mine. I let him take it back to Australia. Um, and by the way, I don't know if, if word has gotten out on this, but Rod has just put in an order of tools from Glacier in Switzerland, and he's hoping it's coming today. So a lot of the tools, anything from Glacier, this is actually not, well, I think maybe now it is made by Glacier. Glacier bought this company, but, um, this is, this is a wonderful tool because it's the right width for the 30 inch bed and you know, for raking off dirt or rocks and for just smoothing it out, it's wonderful. 
But then Elliot Coleman, he, in his ingenuity, came up with the idea of these. We actually, Rod said this is not readily available here. This is what we use in the States for our water pipe now. We call it PEX pipe. Um, so <laughs> we bought a 100-foot roll of this and cut it all up for him to bring over here. So what this does is marks your bed. So you just drag it down this way, depending on your plant spacing, and then do it this way, and you have a grid for marking, which is amazing. It speeds up, you know, there's no using a tape measure or whatever. It's very quick and efficient. And when we talk about systems this afternoon, I'll share with you what we've done to, to make it really efficient. Um, so this, that's a nifty thing. These just pop off and you've got your rake. Just put them in your back pocket. So I, I would highly recommend this tool. Um, the head is adjustable for getting the angle you like. He's got, I guess this is a handle he got. This is not the handle I have on it. Um, very good tool. I, I've had, I have had two of these for 20 years. I, somebody broke off one of the outside tines, but other than that, they're as good as new. Okay, what's next? Glacier right angle trowel. Glacier right angle trowel. I don't have one of those either, but basically. You know, you're trying to be fast with this, and being fast, you can't be sitting or squatting, although I can't stand all the time, but you know, the fastest way for transplanting is straddling the bed and somebody's setting the plants out on that grid, and you're just going down, and ideally, if your soil is how it should be, you just use your hand, you're just, you know, you know, just, you just going full out, just um, doing it that way. But if your soil is not where it needs to be, if it's still kind of a little hard and clotty, the right angle trowel has, has the handle here and the trowel like this. So you're just, you know, doing that kind of thing. Whereas with a, a regular trowel, you're, I guess you can, you know, hold it, this way and pull it back but the normal way to hold it is really awkward you know um, so the right angle trowel is just a more ergonomic at least we found we prefer it um, to a standard trowel for transplanting okay paper pot transplanter I'm hoping did you bring your computer this morning? I have in my car if you need that. Okay. I don't know if anybody has internet access because this is something that is hard to describe but amazing to see. It, I, I, some of you know about the paper pot transplanter. Yeah, I'll um, it's, it came out of Japan. 
And it really is amazing. In fact, I would say the paper pot transplanter right now is the tool that's changing Isn't people's. No, Jang is different. Jang is the cedar. Jang is from Korea. Um, the paper pot transplanter is out of Japan. Ridiculously expensive. What's it called? It's called a paper pot transplanter. Okay, if somebody has internet, you can just Google that and find a short video we can show just to demonstrate it in action. But basically, there are some things I don't like about it. We don't have one yet. I'm sure we'll get one. But um, it makes you dependent on buying these paper pots, which I don't really like that dependency. But it comes flattened, and it's like... Um, uh, okay, there you go. A paper honeycomb you've got this special tool to pull it apart and it fits in a special tray so imagine this paper honeycomb no, no bottom on it it's just cylinders but it sits on this tray and then you fill it with your soil your potting mix and they've actually developed this cedar uh, uh, just a simple mechanical cedar that will seed the whole flat at once and so you let them develop you can't let them get as big maybe as normal transplants but you get them started and then somebody will get a picture here so i don't want to describe it too much but then you put it in this this thing you pull and the amazing thing is this um, one person, Ben Hartman, in his book, says he can do it now in 40 seconds. In 40 seconds, one person can plant 264 plants. <laughs> can you imagine what that would do to efficiency in the garden? Um, I could probably plant this in a few months. Okay. I trust somebody's got the technology to, to show us a picture of a paper pot transplanter. Um, and, and it's done from a standing position. You're just pulling it like this. So rather than bending over and, you know, I would say somebody who's really fast, I mean, it takes two people really at least, ideally three people, you have one setting out and two planting by hand. Could do 264 plants maybe in 10 minutes if you're going fast. Three people, 10 minutes. So imagine one person doing it in less than a minute. Okay, now he's, he's going into the whole thing of how how it's set up you can we can watch a little bit of this but I don't want to take too much time with it you can just see how he pulls it apart okay pull it apart 
Well, you want me to try and fast forward it? Yeah, let's see if we can fast forward it. Um, the reception's not amazing, so we can try. Okay, well, you work on that, and we'll, we'll keep going, and when you get that pulled up. So, like I said, this is probably... It's just a still picture, though. It's a bit small for people to see. Oh, you bet this is probably the tool, the, the hottest tool right now in market farming. But to buy the whole set, okay, here we go. He's planting onions there. going into all the details. Do they factor in this whole process in their timing? <laughs> well, obviously, he's, he's demonstrating here, so it's taking more time than normal, but um, once you've once you know what you're doing, you can change out trays really fast. You see, the reason the farmer doing this and he's like way quicker than that. Just yeah. Get a, right. Right. So very impressive. Yeah. yeah, I would encourage, actually, Curtis Stone Curtis has Stone, has a vested interest in this now because he and a partner are selling these. Um, but still. It, it's he he has a good recommendation for it. Is the organic certified in America now? Okay, question on organic certification. That's a good question, and um, many certifying agencies are certifying it. There are some who haven't, but they're really working with them to to get that because apparently it's pretty inerts the the paper material okay so there you see it now again he's not he's not speeding very fast but you see the idea and they come in three different spacings a six inch spacing a four inch and a two inch so, and, and then what Ben Hartman is doing is, is um, when he seeds it, you can, you can um, use tape and cover certain holes. And so just seeding every other one, so you're actually getting a 12-inch spacing. So he's seeding all his lettuce that way, head lettuce. Um, so he, when we went to his farm, he has gone almost totally to paper pot transplants. Mm -hmm. Every, in fact, he's even experimenting with carrots, paper pot transplanting carrots. <laughs> because, well, there's obviously there's some real advantages with speed, mm -hmm. but the other thing is when it comes to planting, you know, germination is, is the most critical 
part of getting plants to grow. So if you can use a germination chamber or some, you know, a controlled environment to germinate, you obviously get much better germination. So they're doing that all in this controlled environment and then setting them out with this thing and it's doing amazing things for efficiency. Okay, th that's enough to give you an idea and, and all you have to do is Google and you'll find all sorts of videos about it. Thank, thank you for doing that. Sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words. Now, when it comes to cedars, so those first three, you know, are really talking about transplanting. But when it comes to cedars, you have a number of choices. And again, I wish I had more pictures of these, but there's something, I don't know if you have in this country, the Earthway cedar. It's, it's really kind of cheap, both in price and quality. Although, I mean, it's really not cheap in quality. It's just, to me, the, the annoying thing is it's never been improved upon. You know, it's a design that's been the same for probably 30 or 40 years. This is a picture of it here. Just plastic and aluminum. Um, the nice thing is it's $100, and it comes with different seed plates that fit on there. And it's much faster than hand seeding. Some things that works really well on like beans and corn, the bigger seeds, the smaller seeds can be a little annoying because they get caught. Um, I don't want to try to describe how it works, but anyway, it, it's a step in the right direction. And if you're on a budget, again, you might pay as much getting it over here if, you, if they're not in this country. Oh, you do? Okay good so many times you can find them used for for cheap so that's kind of the first step then if you want to go to the next step there's a few other choices the Jane cedar is what Curtis uses um, here's a picture here and I realize you all can't see that very well yellow cedar it's um, it's made in Korea and um, you, you buy these different rollers for different seed size. And so um, the thing is, you know, when the, the cedar itself is $400, and then the rollers are 20 to $25 a piece. So, you know, that adds up. You're going to pay six or $700 for that. Um, again, you know, it could easily be argued that that's cheap in the long run. Um, the, the nice thing about the Jang is that it's very fast. In fact, I've seen Curtis demonstrate it where he was literally running with it. Um, running, it, it's very ergonomic, it's very easy to push, it's got an adjustable handle. Because, you know, you're, you're walking on your beds, but you're seating here. So it's really nice that the handle can be adjusted so you, you're staying off your beds. Um, 
If you really want to be fancy, you can gang them together. There's pictures here, and it can be either used with a tractor or by hand. And you can see, um, I think, up to six rows all at once. The beauty of that is, when it comes to cultivation, they're all exactly the same width apart. If you're doing it by hand, which is what Curtis does, he's, he just eyeballs it, you know. Runs down this side, back this side, down the middle, and then depending on how many, how many passes he's doing in a bed, you know, you do the outside two, then you do a middle one, and then do either one between those on either side for five rows, or two between for seven rows. Um, his point is it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, different temperaments. Um, depends on how OCD you are. You know about OCD here in Australia? Yep. Okay. Um, so I, I actually, that's a cedar that I started using, we, we bought many years ago, and I tried to use it on pelletized carrots, and I got so frustrated with it, it literally sat in our barn for years. And when Curtis spoke so highly of it and how he thinks it's the best one out there, I said, you know, I probably need to give it another chance. So I got it out, dusted it off, and used it this last year, and I actually decided I liked it. I, I think the problem was early on the recommendations for the rollers were not correct. If you get the wrong roller size, it can be really frustrating. But if you get the right roller size, um, it works really well. And I enjoyed using it this last year. Um, it's very adjustable. It's gear driven. You've got different gear cogs so for adjusting the, the distance. Um, it, it's, it's a very nice cedar. And then the four-row pinpoint cedar, again, if you're on a budget, this, this comes from Germany. This one just has a shaft with holes in it. If you look here, there's different size holes. And so you, adjust, you just adjust the shaft side to side and um, get it centered here. It's got brushes on each hole to to adjust you can get really accurate with this as far as just letting one seed drop at a time and this you pull so those little teeth you know give it some some traction in the soil and you just pull it along like this and you adjust the depth basically by how you hold the handle so obviously it takes a little bit of practice to figure it out, but you know I think this is 250 or something. So compared to some of the other cedars, it's it's fairly reasonably priced. A lot of people, including Elliot Coleman and um, Connor Crickmore, this is their Connor loves it because he said they're cheap enough. He just leaves them all over the farm. And there's always one nearby where he wants to see. Um, 
Now, one thing I don't like about this is that it takes a couple extra steps. You need to roll the bed with some kind of bed roller beforehand to firm it up, and then it really doesn't have anything to close your furrow after you seed, so you really need to roll it again afterwards. Um, so that adds a couple additional steps to your seeding process. And the other thing is this takes three passes. What you do, this kind of is making marks on the bed. So the next pass, you, um, you run your furrow right down where this was. Does that make sense? So actually, this, this one is going where you've just seated, and you would think that would mess it up, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't seem to be a problem. John, why do you why do you have to firm the bed before you use that? Is it because those those little um, cogs won't dig in properly? Is yeah, it, it it'll tend to slide, yeah. or you know, right. it, it needs a little bit of firmness to mm -hmm. kind of give it some traction. So, like I say, this is an option where where. And again, this is used, of course, you can skip holes and do just six rows per bed. Um, but this is used mainly for your, your baby salad crops that we were talking about yesterday, your, your arugula or your rockets, your, your um, baby kale, your tatsoys, mizunas, any of those, those salad greens that are cutting small. Then there's another one that was supposed to be an improvement on this. Some people think it's an improvement, others don't. Um, it's called the six row seeder, which there's a picture of here. It obviously has two more rows, but it also has a front and rear roller which is nice. Some of the things that where I see it as a real improvement, number one is the rollers. Number two, that front roller is your depth adjustment. It's got a couple knobs to adjust the height or the depth of the furrows. Um, secondly, it's got three um, pulleys for different, you, you have a, a belt that goes on the pulleys so you can adjust it to seed every one inch, two inch, or four inch. So that's really nice. And then it's also much easier to empty the way you get the seed out of it. It's kind of nifty the way it works. So those are all improvements, but the one Achilles heel of it is that if the bed is not the right conditions, that rear wheel, which has the, the belt on it, will just slide. And that's really frustrating. And that's why a lot of people have kind of gotten away from it. Because, you know, if you don't have your bed just perfect. Now, what I've learned is I can just run over the bed, just lift the furrowers up, run over the bed with this just rolling it with the seed roller and that firms it up enough that then I can go back and seed it. 
Excuse me, John, just a quick question. Can yeah. You, can Edwin show any of these tools? Um, yes, let's see. What haven't we covered? Yeah, yeah you can. Well, is she I mean, talking about cultivating the really tiny weeds on the top? Oh, well, we're at the same place. That's yeah. right. Don't worry. We'll tell him he can come yeah, get them later. Yeah, I'll try to go through that quickly. Okay. You let us know when you're done and we'll tell him. Okay, well, we're ready for talking about cultivating. <clears throat> so, again, the key with your weeds, and, and we're going to talk about this a lot more in the next hour, is um, getting them small. In fact, ideally, you're cultivating before you see the weeds, just knowing that they're there and that they've germinated. Uh, so, if they get this big, oh man, like you, you've, uh, you've just made a job for yourself. So there's two hoes in particular that are just a pleasure to use. I love them. I'm just seeing he has all replaceable blade ones. This is called the, the collinear hoe. This is a Elliott Coleman design. Um, the point of it is to be able to use it like this. You know, traditionally hoeing has been kind of a back-breaking job. You're, you're like this, um, very inefficient, because if you're like this, you're chopping the weeds. Most of the time, your hoe's not even in contact with the soil. How efficient is that, you know? Plus, like I say, it's back-breaking, so with this, you're standing, and Elliot in his book tells you exactly how to hold it, your thumbs up. It's like a, a weed broom, just like you're sweeping. Or he even talks about um, dancing in the garden with your hoe. He says, you put on, you put on some Mozart, and um, he said... Weeding has never been more civilized. <laughs> um, so, so the point is, you know, you just use it, short little strokes, getting around your plants. In fact, on Johnny's website, there's, there's a short video of Elliot using this hoe, which is worth watching, because um, he's very fast with it. But just a pleasure to use. Now, this only works if your soil is loose. You know, if it's a hard, crusty soil, it's not fun. But if your soil is like it should be, oh, I mean, this is one of my favorite jobs in the garden, honestly. I would love to do this all day because it's brainless. Your mind can go wherever it wants to go. You know, you can commune with the Lord or you can plan your talks at agriculture conferences. Um, so this is wonderful. Now, I, I mentioned this. He has the one with the replaceable blade. You would think that would be the one you want to get, but Elliot himself has told me that he doesn't like this because it's not as efficient. You know, when you're doing this a lot, those two bolts create a lot of drag. And so he just likes the one with the non-replaceable blade. If you, if you sharpen it a lot, 
eventually that blade is going to disappear, obviously. Um, I'm weird in that I never sharpen them. I feel like they're sharp enough. Um, and so they'll last for years. Now I'll tell you, um, I've in 20 years, I've never broken a blade, but we've had plenty of broken blades by apprentices that misuse them. The minute you try to use it like this and dig out a weed, you're going to break this blade. It's just not designed for that. But if you use it properly, it'll last for years. comes in two, two widths. The narrow one um, is really nice for tight plant spacings like onions maybe or, or beets. Um, so that's the collinear hoe. Excuse me, John. Yeah. So is that just going underneath the surface? Right. You're just skimming underneath. So you're just cutting off those roots. But again, when a, when a weed is this small, that's all you need to do. I mean, you're really just disturbing the soil. Yeah, okay. Now, obviously, when they get bigger, um, that may not kill them, especially if the soil is moist. Because you'll cut them off, and then if it's just sitting right back down there, they'll just regrow. So you never, ideally, you never cultivate when the soil's moist. You want it to be dry. You want it to be a sunny, hot day, ideally. Uh, this is the other tool. I need to talk to Rod about keeping his tools clean. They work so much better when there's no dirt on them to, to create resistance. This tool works better for, for harder soils. Um, and in here, you do, again, have to bend over a little bit. Your thumbs are down, but you, it, it cultivates on the push and the pull. Yeah, you can take those. In fact, you can take that, you can take this. This is just a smaller version of this. Um, it actually comes in three sizes. That's the small, there's a medium, and then there's a large that's about this wide. So in your pathways, or if your soil is not where it needs to be, this one will work better on hard soil and you're just slicing those weeds off. You want to work back way, backwards down the path so you're not stepping on the weeds and planting them back at all. But this is a stirrup hoe. Any guesses why? How often do you do that? We'll, we'll save that for next session. I think actually we should be going into next session. Yeah. So let me talk about the wheel hoe. The wheel hoe is the stirrup hoe on steroids. Um, this is an amazing tool used mainly for, for your walkways. Um, but you just push that down the row and you can cover a tremendous amount of ground. In fact, if the weeds are small and the soil is good, 
you can just literally walk with it down or run with it like that. So you can imagine how much ground you can cover quickly with that. If the weeds are bigger and the soil's harder, doing it like this um, not only unclogs any weeds from here, but it also gives you the added momentum of your of your walking and so you know you're walking and you're you're moving your arms like this so it doubles kind of doubles your power as you do it and this has offset brackets so you can walk in your bed and cultivate your your I mean walk in your aisles and cultivate your bed it also um, has all kinds of different widths of hoes and you can put two on them and you actually have to you have to get two wheels if you're going to do this but they sell that all at a price um, so you can straddle a row and adjust those those knives those stirrups to come in really close to your plant can you vision that? Envision that. Um, so, and it and it also has furrowers. It has the three prong cultivator that you can put on here. Very. Uh, this is an amazing tool for a market farmer. This is by Glacier. I know Rod has four of these coming. I think at least one is already sold. Um, but I highly recommend the wheel hoe. There's two other companies that I know of. So this one's from Switzerland. There's two other companies in the States that make wheel hose. There's a Haas, I gave the websites there, Haas and a Valley Oak. I have the dream of being able to do a comparison side by side and write it up and give people my thoughts on it but that hasn't happened yet. Okay, we gotta keep moving here. So that's, that's cultivating. For harvesting, this is the game changer for, for um, harvesting baby greens. Unfortunately, we don't have a, a drill here, but if you have a battery-powered drill, you just stick that on there and you hold it like this and you just go down and this turns if we had time we could show you video but you can go on my son's website and see the video this spins and gently pushes the greens against the blade and then as the blade the blade reciprocates back and forth you can see the way it it goes blade cuts it and then this pushes the greens back into the basket and then you just dump it in your container and go down um, way 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 faster than I've seen a video of it online and it's the guy yeah. was the guy was raving about it was that Curtis I forget who it was probably <coughs> Curtis does a good job of selling these um, so we just need wheels and a couple of handles behind it yeah, well, that's that's in the works, but it, 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 it's much more complicated because then you have to have a, 
a conveyor to take the stuff up and drop it in a... There's a company in New Zealand that make that model. They harvest an upper, upper conveyor and into a, into a um, bin. There's an American one as well for $10,000. Um, you know, this one is $550. You know, I think if he could make something simpler that would do a whole bed, even for a couple thousand, yeah. it would. Yeah, so that's. They call them herb harvesters in New Zealand. Okay. Herb harvesters, I think. Yeah. So you can look that up. Um, the other thing we use for harvesting is just a, a red handled Victorinox serrated knife. Do you, you have Victorinox here? Swiss knife. They're quite cheap and very good. You can get a little um, sheath to fit on your belt to hold it. And most market farmers have one of those on them all the time for harvesting. Other tools, just, um, I think you know about all these other ones. I would just mention the mist blower, the steel mist blower. I know you have steel here. I don't know how you pronounce it. Steel. Steel. Um, steel. steel. Be still. Be still. Okay. Still. Um, it's a German company, and the mist blower is basically a leaf blower with a tank on the back that will mix whatever is in the tank with the air coming out. And the beauty of it is it's much faster than a backpack pump, hand pump sprayer. And it's much more effective in that it blows the leaves around and gets, it, gets your material, whatever you're spraying, on the top and bottom of the leaves. So if you're doing more than half an acre, um, I would highly recommend investing in one of those. Um, they're not cheap in the States. I think I paid $700 for it or something, but it'll quickly, and you know, it, it works for leaf blower too. Just don't put any water in there. And so it, it does double duty. Um, it's not like a cyclone on the leaves. It blasts the leaves and damages. Well, you, you can adjust the throttle. So, I mean, it, Honestly, sometimes you feel like you're you're messing the leaves up, but because it definitely blows them around. But um, I haven't ever seen it to be a problem. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.